Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. Shep Hyken. We are back on Amazing Business Radio with another amazing episode. And I am excited about our guest today, Randy Frisch, who is a CMO and co-founder at Uberflip. We'll tell you more about what that is. But basically, the short way of describing is it is a content experience platform that empowers marketers to create content experiences at every stage of the buying journey. That's the technical sentence that I've been given. But let me just tell you that customer experience and marketing go hand in hand. As a matter of fact, I just wrote an article that's going to be coming out very soon. If it's not already out by the time you listen to the episode, that maybe the M in CMO needs to be replaced with an X changing it to CXO, the customer experience officer, because there are so many things that are being blended together. And when it comes to content marketing, Randy has a really kind of a unique twist on it. As a matter of fact, he wrote a great book, and I can't tell you the exact title because that would mean I would be using a pretty heavy, hardcore word that uh, some of you might be offended by, but I'll just tell you, it starts with F, and it's four letters long, and the title is F content marketing. So we'll just use the word screw content marketing uh, just as a way to use it throughout the show. But it is because it's not about content marketing. It's about content experience, which is part of the customer experience. So Randy, welcome to Amazing Business Radio. I hope you uh, are happy with that introduction because uh, I'd love to just show everybody a picture of the cover of your book because it is a, it's beautiful. It has the word uh, well, it has F and then it has a little hash, like hash mark in there. You get the idea, but I Absolutely. just love this book. No, thank you. That, that intro was fun. I was uh, following along trying to figure out which part I would reference. Yeah, I'm going to go with you know, that idea of a, of a chief experience officer is even bigger than what I'm sometimes advocating. But I recently saw a good friend of mine, Matt Sweezy speak. I don't know if you know Sweezy. He's mm-hmm. a brilliant guy over at Salesforce. And he was, he's actually talking about how a lot of organizations have started to bring in that chief experience officer. He's got a whole talk now on experience, uh, even that goes beyond content, which, which you know, I'm, I'm happy for us to dig in on today. But, uh, you know, the, the other part that was funny on your intro there is, is that choice of, of, of uh, the F word there. Uh, you know, we could use screw if you, you know, but that's not a four letter word. So okay. why don't we, why do we well, use flip today? Flip yeah, I mean, it, yeah, marketing. I, mean, I like yeah, that. Exactly. Flip. All right. Exactly. I mean, it, it's dear to my heart, you know, starting a company called Uber flip. So uh, we will, we will talk about flipping it off. And uh, you know, it's funny because when I wrote this blog post that uh, became the book, eventually my own team, it took me months to convince them to allow me to drop an F bomb. Right. I mean, they, they weren't comfortable with it. First of all, they said, you know, you're, you're flipping off all content marketers who love us, who love our product, who we want to sell to in the future. You know, you're crazy. What are you doing? And it, my point to them was not that I was saying that content marketing is not important or that those individuals weren't important. In fact, some of them wanted me to use the word stop. Right. And I was like, no, that's the opposite. It's not that we should stop content marketing, you know, it's, it's that content marketing is defined by too many of us simply as creating content versus what do we do to leverage that content to deliver that experience that you hit right off the gate? 
Well, so here's, here's the point when it, people think, is this show going to be about marketing? No. And as I read through the beginning of the book, and by the way, I just picked up the book the other day. It's a great book. And, and as I was just starting to read, I go, okay, I get it. I wasn't sure where we were going. But if you even read the subtitle, uh, while it says flip content marketing, it's actually the subtitle is focus on content experience to drive demand, revenue, and relationships. And really, when you deliver a great customer experience, that is about taking uh, that relationship to a level where people say, I wanna come back and do business with them. Well, content marketing, if you will, doing it the right way, engages the customer to make them part of your company, not just the receiving end of some message. Um, I just came back from the Gartner conference uh, just recently, and uh, Gartner's research company, there was so many stats and facts about, you know, uh, the types of messages that people like to receive and even personalized messages that actually detract. Like if you go, hey, here's a personalized message. We know it's Randy's birthday. So happy birthday, Randy. Here's 20% off your next order. And you know what? That is just blatant advertising using what little you know about me to uh, think that you know about me and you yeah. really don't know about me. Yeah, so, that. You're right, Chef. I mean, those days of, remember those days when we'd get an email and it would have our name and it would be something along like, Dear Randy or Dear Chef. And we'd be like, how in the world did they do that? This huge, <laughs> and we're just like, okay, it's a database play. And you know, they've got me in their database and they're probably sending this to tens of thousands. That is no longer acceptable when it comes to personalization. And you know, a big part of what we end up talking about when we talk about content experiences, talking about a personalized experience. Uh, you know, creating content at scale is very hard. Uh, so a lot of us have realized it, that, you know, to create great content, which we eventually learned was more important than just creating content, takes time. So the question then becomes, how do we map that content and how do we map more of a journey? Uh, some of the examples I love looking at and, and I kind of live my life, you know, watching what's happening in my consumer life and figuring out how I bring that into the way I market. Now, a lot of the marketing I do is to a B2B audience, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we should drop the ball versus what a consumer experience is. I mean, think about it this way. A lot of us, you know, I, I, I would say everyone listening to this podcast has a smartphone. You know, we, we live on our smartphones and on that smartphone, some of the apps we use the most are things like Netflix, things like Spotify for our music, and when we open up those apps, what we love about them, of course, is it's a nice, clean UI, good interface. But what we love about them is that they deliver content that is curated for us, yep. picked for us, right? And, and we, we've come to expect that. Like I open up Netflix and I expect them not to serve me the, you know, the content that my kids like. You know, I expect them to know that I'm in my account and my account's going to have a bit of a different feel. If a thousand people were listening to this podcast right now, and you know they could even be in Spotify listening to it, but they went to the home screen of Spotify, and they went there and they they found these words. It's it's amazing the words that are, it's, it says made for you, as in that content that they've chosen is made for you. Now, ACDC is not writing a new song specifically for me. I wish they were. You know, I I definitely tune in, but it's the idea that they are finding the content that I care about, and through that Spotify 
you know, locks me in, gets me to pay them on a monthly basis. So as I said, those are the things we're doing on our phone. We're on Netflix, we're on Spotify. But then what do we do as marketers? We send out an email that has no degree of personalization other than to your point, Shep, you know, hi, Shep. That's all it says. Mm -hmm. But the meat of that has no personalization and we expect it to break through when they're being served contextual content. All right. So I want to talk about uh, this whole idea of giving people what they want. And I'll, I'll tell you a story. It's a story about me. And I worked with CBS and had a wonderful year of, of doing a show just like this when it was a general business show. And at the end of the year, I thought, wow, as much as I love it. And, and I mean, it was a, they, they were great to work with. Let me say, I, I wish it was still there. But I thought to myself, this is a general business show. My audience, the people that I know like to hear from me, typically are people in that customer service and experience world. So I went to CBS and I said, hey, can I just do a show just focused on the kind of topics we're talking about today, really that are focused on just those two areas, uh, service and experience. And they said, too limited of a market. And guess what happened? My viewership or listenership, excuse me, went from uh, a huge bucket of people to a little cup of people. Uh, and you just used the word, maybe a thousand people are listening to this. Yeah, probably a thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand people will hear this when it comes out right away. And over the month, obviously, it'll get bigger and bigger. So I started doing a show every week just focused on this. My idea of personalization was to a bucket of people, not an individual, but a bucket uh, that, you know, there's lots of buckets I could have gone after. Do you consider that uh, what we're talking about today, really getting specific? Or do I need to go deeper than that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's a big part. Before we even start putting together the experiences, and we'll, we'll get to that of content, we need to understand who we want to connect with. Now, there's various different mindsets out there today of the best way to get to your ultimate buyer by the end. Now, some of us take kind of this pray and pray. We say everything. We throw it out there and we hope the right people will find us. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, some people criticize that now. That's, you know, in ways that's kind of the inbound mentality. Uh, you know, put out our content. The right people will come. We'll have a funnel where we'll slowly get to the right people that we want. Now, there's others that are taking the reverse approach. Some of them are flipping the funnel, if you will. Uh, my friend Sangram over at Terminus uses you know, that term very often. And that's the idea. I know which accounts that I want, right? I know what businesses are going to buy from me. And as a result, I'm going to target them right out of the gate. And I'm going to go directly to them. Either way, though, I, I don't like to say one's right, one's not. Because some of us have a very large market. So the idea to personalize at the scale that we think out of the gate can be very tricky. But the most important thing that you hit on is figuring out what might interest those different audiences. Now we can do that at an account level. So if I wanted to sell to uh, IBM, I could learn everything about IBM and what they're gonna care about and I could find the right content to pull together. Or I may be saying, you know what, I can do a lot for the pharmaceutical industry. And as a result, I'm going to pull content that ties more to that area in interest. Right. But I'm not going to try and you know, necessarily write to anyone and everyone. And that's you know, where we have to determine right out of the gate what type of audiences, how broad do we want to go versus how focused do we want to go. And doing so, as you said, Chef, sometimes means that we make a tough decision to say, we're not going to be the CBS, right? We're going to be more of 
you know, a, a very meaningful channel for a dedicated audience. Right. And that's, and that's part of the experience. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about personalization. I also want to remind everybody uh, that the book is called Flip Content Marketing. Focus on content experience to drive demand, revenue, and relationships. You can get that at Amazon. And I want to tell everybody that you are the host of a great podcast as well called uh, Connects the Content Experience Show. That is a podcast, and uh, I guess you can get it on Spotify and everywhere else that you can hear podcasts. Is that right? Absolutely. It's, Perfect. It's All right. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll talk more with Randy Frisch. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Are you ready to be amazing? Of course you are. And that's why you tune into Amazing Business Radio. If you like what you're hearing here, you're going to love my new TV show, Be Amazing or Go Home. Each episode is devoted to sharing ideas to help you be amazing in both your business and personal lives. We also feature an app or technology every week that you're going to find fascinating, and we always have at least two guests on the show. The show is now available on Amazon Prime, Roku, C-Suite TV, and more, so the choice is yours. Be amazing or go home. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We are back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Randy Frisch. Randy, we're talking about the whole personalization thing. You brought up Netflix and you brought up Spotify. And I love it when I go on Netflix and they notice that I've enjoyed a particular genre of show. Maybe it's action. Maybe it's uh, comedy. It doesn't matter. Whatever I enjoyed. And then they start making recommendations. Same thing with, uh, with uh, Spotify and, you know, Amazon. Boy, talk about a master. Last time you were here, you looked at this. Perhaps you'd like to look at that. It's very similar. So how can the typical business take advantage of it? I mean, that's a pretty big investment to make. Uh, uh, it, how does that it, work for guys like me? Well, it, listen, for a lot of us look at that and we say, well, we don't have that scale. We don't have that infrastructure. We're not going to be able to deliver content in that way. I, I, I'm going to tell you it's not that hard. And we'll get to how, but let me, let me help you understand why we're, in many ways, we're so far from that still. And it, it's scary when you think about it. But when we look at Netflix, what did it, disrupt, right? I mean, it disrupted Blockbuster. You know, Blockbuster was on every corner. Those are now Starbucks. But, you know, there was a Blockbuster. on <laughs> disrupt Starbucks? <laughs> I know. Uh, but, but there is this idea that we went into the store and it was, a, it was a very tedious experience to go find a movie. I don't know if you remember it. Like I remember it. I, I, you know, yeah. part of the joy of going to the store with my kids is just knowing I'll have a half an hour of time to myself while they run through the <laughs> store. <laughs> Apparently, Blockbuster once did a, uh, a focus group, and, went, and they focused too much, obviously, on, on what people liked like that. Uh, and they said people liked running into their neighbors. That was the reason they liked going to Blockbuster, <laughs> right? If they didn't go to Blockbuster, how would they see their neighbors? Well, we all figured that out, I guess. But, uh, you know, the, the funny thing is, if I went in and I was looking for a Tom Hanks movie, maybe I'm looking for Apollo 13, and it's, you know, was sometime in the 80s, and it just came out. I know it, I go to the far left. One of those first two bays, it may be out of stock, but There's that's new releases, yeah, new release area. But let's say I, I then wanted to go back for more Tom Hanks, right? Like, because I'm now ready to binge on Tom Hanks, I want a Tom Hanks weekend, and I come back and I want to find Forrest Gump. Let's say Forrest Gump's not a new release, where would I go? Is it an action movie? Is it a drama? Is it a comedy? Like, honestly, I don't know the real answer because there's no more blockbusters for me to go fact check this. But the, the challenge there 
is that you know they didn't have the Tom Hanks shrine. You know, we could argue if they should have, but they didn't. What Netflix did is they said, okay, great. You just watched Apollo 13. I'm going to give you a couple options that are next. Either I'm going to give you another Hanks movie, or maybe you want to go off and watch Armageddon. They took that desire to continue to consume content on the fly and made it possible. Now, let's think about that as a business. Are we setting people up to go searching through aisles, finding for the next Tom Hanks movie or our other content? Or are we lining them up to find the next logical piece of content? I would argue most of us are still set up like Blockbuster. Right, you, you know, look at people's websites. Right, you know, we organize our content by format very often. We're all guilty of this, so you know, don't worry. I'm not making fun of anyone specific here. Yeah, you know, I bet you a large proportion of us still do this. Our content's organized by things like videos. You know, here's our video page. Here's our ebook page. Here's our blog. You know, versus when I come to a, a website and I say, you know what, I've got this challenge help me solve for it. I don't care about format. I care about you giving me a sequence of content. Now, it's interesting. You you talked about how you were at Gartner this past week. Uh, I saw a Gartner stat recently. It spoke about the percentage of time during the buying cycle in which we're doing research. And that's now up to 82%. Now, that research is done without speaking to a sales rep. Yeah, it's all done online. All, exactly. It's all content that we're looking for. Now, ultimately, sales are still important. That 18% of time is really where we may make a final decision. And even during that, they may be doing research along the side. So the very logical mindset is to earn more of that 18% of the sales reps time that we want, you know, because we know people are going to speak to multiple vendors, but we want them to use as much of that time with us. There's a simple correlation to say, we got to earn as much of that 82% of research to do that. We simply have to ensure that one, when they engage in one meaningful piece of content, we have the next one there ready for them. Because Very, people, yep. people come, they don't come and say, I want to watch one episode. Just as I no longer watch television in episodes, right? I watch in seasons, I binge. And that's <laughs> the mindset that we have to realize. When someone is ready to buy from you, they're ready to binge on all the content that you can offer to make that buying decision. All right, so I have work cut out for me now because I'm going to go back and look at the 600 plus articles on my website that I've personally written. Forget about the hundreds that others have written that we have on there. And I'm going to put at the end of every article, if you like this, click here for more similar content. And I think that's what you're talking about. Absolutely. I mean, in fact, you bring up another common mistake that we see people do these days is a lot of our blog lives in chronological order, right? Mm -hmm. If we wrote a post on May 2nd, the next one that would be recommended logically, but illogically is the one from May 1st. Right. Now, for some of us, what we have to remember is our audiences may be discovering us for the very first time. The first piece of content we, we deliver them may not be the one that we produced on May 2nd. It may be the one we produced on May 2nd, 2016. But it doesn't mean that the second one before that should be May 1st, 2016, because that may have been something very topical to the time right. and year, et cetera. So what we need to do is we need to think of, as you said, making it really easy for people to find content that is connected. Now, the way Netflix does this, the way Spotify does this, is they're leveraging a combination of really strong structure and tagging with artificial intelligence. And that's available now for us as marketers. You know, this gets into the framework that I unpack in the book that I wrote. That's basically the middle of the book. And it, it walks through a five-step process 
including a very important part right out of the gate that most marketers like to skip because it's not sexy, it's not fun. And that's the idea of how do we start to organize our content? Yeah, cool. So I think this is really important as we are talking today, so much of the customer experience that I've been covering in this show and in my work is the actual experience the customer has with the company as they interact with people and they go through uh, the process, or as you say up in Toronto, the process of <laughs> getting you know people uh, on their journey with you. All we're talking about right now, it, it, well, actually, strike that. It's not all, but a good part of what we're talking about is that first time that customer, client, whatever you want to call them, comes through our doors, there is a lot of research. You just said 82%, which means the customer experience on the front end before they even get to you has to be really, uh, I guess, what's the uh, compelling to get, to get that buyer to choose you instead of some other competitor. So, Powerful, powerful information. Hey, let's take another quick short break. I do want to come back and talk about, uh, I want to talk about how Nike personalizes their content because I read some fascinating information about that. And as you personalize the content to your customers, the way they want it, the way they like it, and what they like to hear and read about, I think you engage them at a whole nother level and you start to gain their loyalty, which is why I think Nike's content program is actually referred to as a loyalty program. We'll be right back. And by the way, just a reminder, the book is called Flip Content Marketing. It's Randy Frisch. You get it at Amazon. Call today. Don't delay. Don't pass go. Don't collect $200 until you get this book. We will be right back after the short message. Good customer service is now an expectation. Don't provide it and you'll be disrupted by a competitor who does. So, what can you do to stand out? Well, that's the focus of my latest book, The Convenience Revolution, how to create a customer service experience that disrupts the competition and creates fierce loyalty. The goal is to reduce friction and be convenient for your customers. So if you're ready to take your customer service to the next level and disrupt your competitors, well, this is the book for you. To order the book, go to www.beconvenient.com. That's beconvenient.com. It's time for you to join the revolution, the convenience revolution. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We are back on Amazing Business Radio. Randy, let's talk about Nike. Everybody knows who Nike is, just as they know who Netflix is. Uh, but Nike does some pretty cool things when it comes to personalization of their content. Um, if I am a runner, they're not going to send me information about basketball shoes. They're not going to send me information about, you know, soccer shoes. They send me information about what I want based on my buying habits. And, and they know what that is because I've let them do that. They call this a loyalty program, which fascinates me because there's real no economic advantage. They don't give you points for buying more. What they do is they engage you with information that only you are interested in. And unless you choose to tell them you're interested in something else, you'll be receiving information about that. And what, what made it interesting is that there's only so many different kinds of, of uh, athletic apparel and shoes that they sell. So if I'm into golf, they're going to send me information on golf. And I mean, they put, they put us all in buckets and we all think it's very personalized, even though it's mass produced within that little niche, which is what we've talked about already. So I, I know you may or may not know anything about the Nike program, but the fact that they call it a loyalty program, which doesn't offer any discounts, but only offers the, uh, I don't know, the, the gift of content. I think that's a pretty cool program. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I'm seeing a huge trend in that. Uh, there was a, a site I always talk about very similarly, which is Cliff Bars. You know, those nutritional bars? Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know, honestly, if you may check in now, it may no longer be the same, but you used to go to their homepage and you would select the type of activity that you're in the mood for and all the content on the page would adapt. And, and I think that's the trend that we're going to. So whether you're Nike, whether you're Cliff Bar, whether you're even a, you know, a B2B organization, it's how do you start to put the right content in front of people? Because that's what they're expecting. It's like you said earlier, what do people want? Uh, there's a, a company that we work with at, at Uberflip uh, called Snowflake and uh, a, a really cool case study uh, that they did where they started to actually create dedicated pages of content for each customer they wanted to sell to. So they have you know, 1,200 different accounts that they are targeting right now. They charge a lot of money. You know, so it's, you know, that's their universe that they wanted to go. Right. It's, and not, land. it's not 12 million people, it's yeah, 1,200, which is much easier to manage. Yeah, it's, it's a different level of expectation though, and it's a much higher price tag, a lot more research that's going to go into that. And what was really interesting, and this ties back to your earlier point on, you know, the type of audience, the size of audience you care about, but what impact you can make with them is that they said, okay, well, when they started to look at, at content consumption, they realized the number of people viewing content. So I'm talking viewing a blog post, viewing an ebook or a video that they had, that over 50% of those views in their entire universe were coming actually from people who visited these dedicated brand pages versus their entire website. Wow. Now, at well, first, you may, you? Yeah, at first you may say, oh my God, well, you know, our website's doing terrible. But they didn't care because their business was growing at an exponential rate because they realized that people weren't going to their website to search for all this information. But when they would be able to put the content in front of them, they could accelerate a deal. They could you know, build, as you called it, loyalty. Because as soon as I realize that you understand me, that you understand my business problems, you understand what's important to me, you know, what, you know, what's going to make me tick, what's going to make me succeed. Now I have loyalty to you, right? You know, the, the other way to do it obviously is buy loyalty, as you said, with discounts and promos, mm -hmm. but the other way is with amazing service and an amazing understanding of the customer. All right. So you just nailed it in one, you don't realize you nailed it. You probably do, but you don't realize, I realized it maybe just now you uh, discounts. There is a difference between content marketing, which is about discounts and loyalty or, or content experience, which is about loyalty that's driven by content that's meaningful, big difference. So uh, Brent Adamson, who's an executive, uh, the VP, I don't know what they, some distinguished vice president, I think is his actual title over at Gartner, did a presentation and I tried to find it. And I know it's gotta be there, Huggies. You know about Huggies, like the diaper company. Uh, I've I've gone through quite a few Huggies over the year. Really? Not, not personally. No, I was just. I, 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 I said <laughs> probably sounded terrible. I got three kids who are eleven, nine, and seven, so we are done with Huggies. Right, but, right. But you know, get we, this: we've got a box. You talk about personalized website. You go on, and this is the way I interpreted what he said. Uh, you go on the website and you type in the due date of your child, and it starts to populate content on the website, and it tra as you come back. It tracks, hey, mom's back or dad's back, whoever the family's back. 
and they're taking you as you get closer and closer to the due date and then what happens after the due date and how to you know have a you know hug your baby the right way and and wash the baby and make the baby sleep and eat and all this content is specific to the age of the baby Awesome. which is about as personal as you can get to the brand new parents. So I, I just find that to be absolutely fascinating. So, hey, man, as we start to wrap up, any, any final thoughts? And then I'm going to ask you my one thing question. Is there something specific in the book that you absolutely love that you want to give everybody some insight to? Sure. I, you know, first off, the book's designed to be a lot of fun. Uh, it's, it's built with a lot of analogies and, and ways to simplify you know, what's not necessarily a complex product, you know, approach, but a different approach to the way we think about content. It's moving us away from just creating more and more content to thinking about how we use it. Uh, I think the, the real gut of the book comes in the, in the second part where we look at a framework we call the content experience framework. If you want, you can download a sneak peek of that. Just go to uberflip.com slash CE as in content experience. And we've got a, a downloadable image there of that framework with some extra content, of course, uh, to help you understand that. And, and of course, uh, you can grab the book. Uh, you may not find it by searching flip, uh, but I think most people have figured out that it was a, a hashtag you know, in the middle of that, that right. one four letter word. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and, and uh, Uber flip, by the way, is U B E R F L I P. I just want to tell you how much fun this book is at the, you know, and, and again, I, I got the book. I read through it on the flight uh, on the way home the other day, but at the very end, it says, who is the real Randy Frisch? And this is Randy Frisch's favorite game growing up was two truths and a lie. And then you actually tell us that was a lie, that your actual favorite game was Operation, which, by the way, I loved Operation. <laughs> Freaked me out a little bit, but I loved yeah, it. Anyway, always got that jitter. Exactly. And then he lists a bunch of um, uh, really facts, potentially, about Randy. And you've got to figure out which one's real or, or which one's are real and which one's a lie. And I just love the way you do it. And they're fun. I mean, uh, you know, it's like. I look, Randy is a computer programming whiz. Well, perhaps to get some social media love, Uberflip co-founders, Randy Frisch, and I don't know if I said this, Yoav, is that yep. right? Yoav okay. Schwartz once lip synced and danced to Drake's In My Feelings as part of the hashtag In My Feelings challenge atop the CN Tower in Toronto over 1,000 feet above the ground. I'm going to say that's true. That, that one's true. And oh, this is, I got this it. Is another, this is another truth that I have an extreme fear of heights. Uh, but it hasn't stopped me from doing, you know, stupid things like that and jumping out of a plane or bungee jumping over the years. Uh, but, uh, you know, you got to overcome your fear, right? Courage, courage is our strongest, strongest strength. Right. But you, you get an idea that this book, and just even based on the title, is a fun read, but it's filled, filled, filled with content. All right. We're out of time. I want to ask you the one thing question. What's the one thing you want to leave this audience with? You can either remind them of something you've already mentioned or give us some new little nugget you want to leave us with. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's, it's to really test your own marketing with the following. Would you open it? right? Does it feel personalized to you? You know, does it feel the way the Netflix experience you're going through or the Spotify experience you're going through? And if it doesn't, then you're probably not delivering an experience. Saying that you're going to start to do experience is kind of like a, it's as though suggesting that you're not delivering content already, right? right. So we, it's the question that you should ask is whether your experience is helping you win deals or more scary, is it helping you lose deals right now? 
Yeah. And, and as far as your own content, would you even open it? Great insights from Randy Frisch. Randy, thanks for being on the show, man. You are awesome. You are actually, as we say, amazing on Amazing you, Business Chef. Radio. All right, everyone, that wraps it up. Another episode of Amazing Business Radio. We will be back next week with another interview. So until then, this is Chef Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.